Well, I want to welcome you this morning to church, and I believe it's a great way to start your year, don't you? Getting to the house of God, ready to receive the word of God. I know the Holy Spirit of God wants to do something in your life so that you can get closer to the Son of God. That's his plan for you this year. And I believe it's an important year for our church. God has done incredible things in and through Generation Church. He's blessed us. He's multiplied us. He's allowed us to reach more people, um, help people grow in their walk with God, grow in their relationships with one another. But I sense also in my heart that this is an important season. It's a new season where God wants to call us as a church to an an even higher level, a higher calling. And how many of you know that when God calls you to a higher calling, he also has higher expectations of you. When I talk to leaders, I talk to them differently because I have higher expectations for a leader. And that's, that's what God looks at you and he thinks, you know, I want you to be a leader. And so we're gonna talk straight in this series. Give it to you straight, be real. We're gonna talk about who our church is, what God is doing, what our mission is, and how you can get involved in that mission and be a part of what God wants you to be a part of and be the person he calls you to be. This, this season for our church is so critical. I, I think that even though God has done great things here in this church, this next season is pivotal because it's the difference between us being a nice, cute story of God's goodness or becoming a movement which changes the region of Phoenix. And if we're gonna be that church, then we're going to have to step our game up and do it together. You've got to be prepared emotionally, mentally, and even physically. It's a time to go back to the gym if you want to be ready to fulfill God's purpose in your life. If we're going to really reach this valley for Jesus, we've got to be a so that church with so that Christians. This series is going to align us in that direction. So here's what we're going to do. Jump into John chapter 3, verse 16. You're like, I know that verse. That's the one verse I know. I feel really good about this coming to church thing today. You can read it with me. It says in John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. This verse is very familiar to a lot of people. And you can become so familiar with this verse that you can hear it and hear the message, but even miss the application for your life. We talk about how important it is to take action. We all use phrases like, you know, he can talk a good talk, but can he walk the walk? Or how about this? That dog is all bark and no bite. Or maybe that guy, he's all talk and no action. So let me ask you, What if God said he loved the world, but then never did anything about it? What if the verse we just read, John 3, 16, said, For God loved the world, and he was really sad about how we all rejected him and went to hell. I mean, it'd be a sad story, wouldn't it? There are two, though, important words in that verse that is so well known that put some bite in God's bark. The words, so that, so that, these these words are conjunctive phrase. They communicate action and purpose, action and purpose. He didn't just love us. He so loved us that he took action. 
The initiator was God's love. It was real. It was sincere. The action he took was he gave his son. But why? The purpose was so that we could have life. So that puts movement to God's love. It puts muscle behind his love. I think there's a reason that God made your heart a muscle. So that your feelings would cause you to move. Not just sit there, but move. In fact, I would say that love without action isn't love. It's just a feeling. But so that, John 3, 16, so that transformed his love from a powerful feeling into a powerful force that gave his son and moves mountains and redeems broken people. The reason that we're here, the reason that we're singing and have joy is because God so loved the world that he did something about it. The reason you're forgiven and have eternal life is because he so loved you that he was willing to take action, not just sit by and watch you self-destruct. And so he calls us to be a people of action. We ask, you know, what if God said he loved us but never did anything about it? It wouldn't have done much good. But let me ask you this. What if you say you love God but don't do anything about it? It's possible to have real feelings and live a life that produces no results. This is the New Year's time when everyone sets resolutions and maybe you feel like changing some things up this year. You know, you say maybe I feel like Losing weight. I ate a lot of pie this holiday season. I, I feel like reading more books. I, I feel like working out and, and I feel like spending more time with my spouse and I feel like getting more involved in my church. But so what if you feel like it, but don't do anything about it? Amen. You're just going to have another year. Uh, woulda, coulda, shoulda. And nothing will change. It's possible to have good intentions but not bring anything about from those attentions through action and see that your life ends up not going where you wanted it to go and producing what you wanted it to produce. For so many Christians, so that has been overtaken by so what? So what? It's a phrase means it doesn't matter. It's no big deal. I don't really care. My mom said I need to eat my veggies. So what? Pastor Ryan's up here talking about how we need to take action. So what? I mean, come on, I don't really care. And that's the way it is. And so I want to ask you, are you a so that Christian or a so what Christian? So what if I never grow? So what if I never give? So what if I never serve? So what if I don't forgive the people who've hurt me? So what if I gossip? So what? It doesn't really matter. Jesus called us to follow him, to be like him, to bring in the harvest and make disciples. But a lot of Christians say, eh, so what? In John 14, verse 15, Jesus said, if you love me, show it by doing what I've told you. In verse 21, he says this, the person who knows my commandments and keeps them, that's who loves me. Oh, (laughs) it's almost like Jesus is saying that if you don't take action, you don't really love me. Man, that's harsh, Pastor Ryan. I didn't say it. Jesus said it. Okay, the thing is, he loves you. You have to know he does. He loves you, but he also loves people who are lost, who can only be reached through your obedience to Christ, through your action. And he calls you to follow him. So so he's saying, you know, if you 
If you love me, keep my commandments. Do what I told you to do. Now, a lot of you come to church for the first time today, maybe for the first time in a long time. And you're like, well, I don't really know what he told me to do. Well, you're in luck because I'm going to tell you. <laughs> All right. I mean, that's how this works. It's so good. Here are some of the things that he told us to do in Matthew 6, He said, seek first the kingdom of God. You know, when he said that, what he was talking about? Money. No, I won't go into that right now. He said in Matthew 22, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. In Matthew 28, he said, make disciples, baptize them, and teach them. I'm paraphrasing. In John 13, he washed his own disciples' feet. I just need you to know, as your pastor, I am not touching your feet. I love you, but it's not happening. But he said in verse 15, I have set you an example so that you should do as I have done for you. He wanted us to serve one another. Now understand, we are not saved through our actions by doing what Jesus did. We're not saved by performance. But even though we're not saved by performance, we're saved by grace. We can still step up our performance and step into God's purpose for our lives. We can follow Jesus and his example so that it makes a difference in this world, so that we are who God made us to be. There's a reason, a purpose. Our mission as a church is so that people far from God can experience new life in Jesus. Why does this church exist, Pastor? It's so that people far from God can experience new life in Jesus. Why do you guys do that whole thing you do? So that people far from God can experience new life in Jesus. And that is so important because we were once all far from God, weren't we? But somebody gave, somebody served, somebody sacrificed, somebody believed and went forward and brought the gospel so that you could someday experience new life in Jesus. Aren't you grateful for that? Come on, you got to give God praise that he saved you through someone else. Now, I want to I explain this a little bit. I want you to understand that the new life in Jesus that I'm talking about is not just Salvation. I'm not just talking about you getting saved uh, and not going to hell and having your sins forgiven. That is the beginning of your journey following Jesus. It is the beginning of new life. And there's a misunderstanding sometimes that people hear about, you know, we want people to find new life in Jesus. And they think, well, that's great. But then we need to disciple those people. And I'm going to tell you today that the new life that Jesus has saved us and called us to involves growing as a disciple and following him. And there's a lot to that. I just use the scriptures as an example. Um, so how did Jesus raise up his disciples? Well, he found them and he said to them in Matthew chapter four, follow me. Right? He didn't come up to Peter and say, hey, bro, I'm going to lead you in a prayer right now. I want you to ask me into your heart. And then... I'm going to send you to Discipleship University, and you're going to learn how to pray for people. That's not what he did. He said, follow me. Come along. Watch what I do. Listen to how I talk. You're going to start to understand. You're going to have opportunities to practice yourself, and you're going to start to become like me. I'm going to be there to help you, and then I'm going to set you up and prepare you to do it without me. And I'm going to work through you to multiply my kingdom. We grow more by doing than sitting in a classroom, don't we? We do. 
It's a better opportunity to learn because when you do, you learn how to serve the Lord and experience his faithfulness as you trust him. There's amazing, it's amazing how that, how that helps you grow more than just a lecture does. This new life that Jesus calls us to is a lifelong commitment to obey him and trust him and follow him. When we say new life, we don't just mean getting saved and getting baptized, but also following him and becoming more like him, putting him first in our lives and making disciples and building his kingdom. Why? So that people far from God can experience new life in Jesus. And if you're not doing all these things that Jesus calls you to do, you could be saved, but you're not experiencing the new life that Jesus wants you to experience. As your pastor, I want you to like Jesus, but that's not my main goal. My main goal is not to get you to like Jesus, it's to help you be like Jesus. All right, it's nice to like him, but it's better to be like him. You can like Jesus a lot and come to church every week, but until you decide to be like him, your life is not going to do anything for anyone. Getting to be like Jesus, that is the new life that he came and died and rose again to give you. It's the cycle of new life, I call it. You experience new life in Jesus. You change from the inside out. You start to act like Jesus, give, serve, and love people the way that he did so that people far from God can experience new life in Jesus. It's amazing how it works. One of our values as a church is experience. I want you to come to church and experience God's presence and his power. Man, you can anticipate coming to church. God says, I'm there. I'm with you. When you gather in my name, I'm inside you. I dwell to, in your presence. And, and when we come together as believers, all ready to worship God, he moves in a special way. That's why he told us in scripture that we should prioritize coming to church and not forsake that, take it for granted, because it does something for us that we cannot replicate on our couch watching an evangelist on the internet. Okay, there's a benefit to being with one another. You know, you smell kind of funny sometimes, but it's still better for me to be with you than not. You're there to encourage me. You know, the Bible says if one falls down, someone's there to pick him up. That's what you do for one another. You, you protect each other. You have each other's back. You encourage one another. And coming to church, I am not even apologetic about this. I want you to love it. I want you to love coming to this place. It is. It's a place. I want you to get excited when you plug it into Google Maps for the 15th time because you're not good with directions. And you're dr <laughs> it, it's a great place to come. But listen, I don't want you to just come to church. I want you to become the church. It's a place, but it's also a people. You are the church, a people who follow Jesus together. The people who decide we're saved and we're called and we're going on this mission together. Don't just come to church, become the church. We can't just come, we've gotta become. And it's not gonna help anyone otherwise. We're not just here for us. This church is about us reaching out and changing this world together as we start to act like Jesus and become more like him. And there's a reason, it's because God has given us so much, we can't keep it to ourselves. Right? I mean, it would be tragic if we just kept this to ourselves. We can sh the great thing is it's one of those things. We've got this gift from God, this new life in Jesus. And the great thing about this gift is the more you give away, the more you get. 
You don't get less as you give away. The more you give away, the more you receive, the, the greater blessing you experience and the more full your new life becomes. In Luke chapter six, verse 46, here's what Jesus says. He's talking now and he says this. So why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say? Ooh. Oh, snap. Jesus just said that. Okay, he said, I will show you what it's like when someone comes to me, listens to my teaching, and then follows it. It is like a person building a house who digs deep and lays the foundation on solid rock. When the floodwaters rise and break against that house, it stands firm because it is well built. But anyone who hears and doesn't obey is like a person who builds a house right on the ground without a foundation. When the floods sweep down against that house, it will collapse into a heap of ruins. Which kind of builder are you? This passage is unfortunately misapplied often. People read this passage and they get the wrong impression. They hear the wrong message and oftentimes they erroneously focus on the storm and they make this passage out to be an encouragement for them when they go through the storms of life. Well, if you, if you built your foundation on Jesus, then you'll survive the storms of life. Hold on, brother, you can make it through. Now, listen, there's a lot of encouragement and comfort like that in the Bible, but that is not the purpose of this teaching that Jesus just gave us. He just got talking previously about fruit and how good trees produce good fruit. He's talking here in the same context about your life creating a good result and you building something with your life that lasts. Do you know that many people, they worry about their legacy and they worry about what they're leaving behind and, and having buildings named after them and having statues of them built and having biographies of themselves uh, written because they know deep down that all the success in their life Nothing they've done will stand the test of time. That maybe they'll have a good reputation for a hundred years or even a couple hundred years if they're kind of famous, but eventually time is going to sweep away their life's work. It's possible for you to build your whole life and build things that are even good, but that won't last. Did you know that? But if you build on the foundation like Jesus is talking when your life is over, when time comes and is gone, and you're in heaven someday, you're not just going to be able to still see your legacy that you built, but you're going to be able to meet your legacy. You're going to be able to talk to your legacy and hug him and her and be able to say, hey, do you see her? She's here because I gave when I didn't have to so that people far from God can experience new life in Jesus. Hey, hey, meet this guy. He's here because I served even when I was tired. I changed his diaper in the nursery so that people far from God can experience new life. You, you will actually be able to show the evidence of your love for Jesus through the people in heaven who have received new life through your service and sacrifice to him. You're going to be able to say, look at what my life produced. So that throughout eternity, what you built with this life will last You'll say, I built, a, I built a lasting kingdom for Jesus. That's why we serve. That's why we sacrifice. That's why we build. It's not for us. 
And so that people far from God can experience new life in Jesus. This same picture of building something that lasts, something of eternal value, it's found in another place in Scripture. So it kind of reinforces the idea for us. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 10, this is the Apostle Paul talking. He says, because of God's grace to me, I have laid the foundation like an expert builder. Now others are building on it. But whoever is building on this foundation must be very careful, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one we already have, Jesus Christ. Anyone who builds on that foundation may use a variety of materials, gold, silver, jewels, wood, hay, or straw. I'm trying to emphasize that there are two very different types of building material, gold, silver, jewels, wood, hay, or straw. The girls in the room are all like, I know what I want for Christmas, gold, silver, jewels. But unfortunately, sometimes you get gifts of wood, hay, and straw, but you still got to love one another anyway, okay? <clears throat> but on the judgment day, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if a person's work has any value. If the work survives, that builder will receive a reward. But if the work is burned up, that builder will suffer great loss. The builder will be saved, but like someone barely escaping through a wall of flames. Okay, we're going to explain this. This passage is referencing something that we're all going to experience as Christians. The Bible talks about the judgment seat of Christ, where as a believer, you're going to stand before Jesus and give an account for your life. This is not to determine whether or not you'll make it into heaven, because if you've accepted him, that's already been sealed, signed, and delivered. But you're going to give an account to your king for how you performed for him in his kingdom, how you served him, how you loved him, and what you did with the resources he entrusted you with. That's why Jesus told all these parables about a master who was going away, and he gave his servants resource, and he left for a while so they could multiply what he gave them. And then he came back eventually, and he, he asked them to give an account of what they did with what he entrusted them with. And some of them gave a good report. Well, I multiplied, I produced, here you go. And the master said, well done, good good and faithful servant. Other servants had nothing to show for their work and their effort, and it did not go well for them. Now, what we're seeing here is not real. It's not a judgment determining whether or not you're going to get into heaven. All right. So you're like, I'm good. I'm going to get into heaven. But some people, it says it's going to be like someone who barely escapes through the flames. Like you're showing up into heaven. Your eyebrows are burned off. You smell like smoke. You're like, I made it, but just barely. Right? You don't want to stand before Jesus on Judgment Day with nothing to show for your life. It's possible to spend your life building a family and raising a business and saving money, having financial success and being generally happy, but have nothing to show for it when you stand before Jesus. If you build with only wood, stray, wood straw, and hay, things that don't have eternal value, if it has eternal value, it's going to last the test of time and stand uh, strong even through that testing and evaluation process. We gotta build stuff that has eternal value. His kingdom, raise up people, preaching the gospel, helping people far from God to experience new life in him. That has eternal 
eternal value, when we love one another, when we serve, one another, when we feed the poor, when we help the sick, that has eternal value. Those are gold, silver, precious jewels, right? Like, like working on my garden in my backyard, I don't do that. But if I did, wood, straw, and hay could be a really great garden. Again, I just never could do that. But it would not stand the test of time. It would not last. Imagine, imagine with me if uh, the, the Cardinals football players did not take the field unified. We're imagining about next year, okay? So, uh, I'm still mourning a little bit. <laughs> but let's just say, let's just imagine that the players, they go out in the field and half of them don't care and half of them really care. Now, we would look at that and say, obviously, if they're not unified in their mission, they are going to have no success, right? What if they went out in the field and half the players were like, yeah, you know what? Uh, I don't really care if we win or lose because I'm going to get paid anyways. So what? Right? It sounds crazy, but how many Christians? Oh, yeah, I'm going there. How many Christians act like that? And it's like, oh, Pastor Ryan's up here talking about being like Jesus and becoming the church, blah, blah, blah. So what? I'm going to heaven anyways. Like, wouldn't that be a tragic way to spend your life and waste what God has given you? And I want to help some of you snap out of the zombie-like funk that maybe you've been in and get in the game and do something that has eternal value. Build something that will last. Our church is a team, and we need everyone to show up, grow up, and live up to the potential that God has put inside of you so that people far from God can experience new life in Jesus. We have a high calling. We have lofty goals. We want to reach out, build God's kingdom, and help people who are far from God experience new life in Jesus. And we need us all to do this together. Sometimes I have weird thoughts when I'm working on my sermon, and I had one this week. I wonder if we could listen in on the devil talking to his demons about us. What would they say? Like, what would they say about you? Like, I think some of them, you know, they'd be talking and they'd be like, oh no, did you hear he got saved? He became a Christian. We're in trouble. This is not good. This is not good. He's already totally different. Everyone sees it. They're asking him what happened. He's telling them what happened. He's serving. He's giving. He's telling people about Jesus and bringing his family and friends and loved ones to church with him. He's, he's going to really hurt us. This is not good. And others, I wonder if they would say, oh, did you hear uh, she became a Christian? And they'd be like, yeah, but... You know, nothing's really changed, and they're no different than, she's not different than she used to be, and she might be going to heaven, but she's not going to hurt our cause, so, so what? If you just sit on your spiritual rear end and aren't willing to get up and do anything for Jesus, you're not going to advance the cause of Christ. It's sad to say there are too many so what Christians. So Ask yourself, am I a so that Christian or a so what Christian? It's better to look yourself in the face, in the mirror, and ask this difficult question than to wait and have to look Jesus in the face and have nothing to show for your life. 
There's still time to get in the game and follow him and be like him and do something that lasts. Jesus did not say, follow me, except for all the times it's inconvenient. He said, pick up your cross and follow me. In other words, that means sometimes it's going to hurt. Sometimes it's going to cost you. Sometimes it's going to feel like a burden. But that's why he said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light because he's called you to do something big, but he's going to help you carry the weight. He's going to sustain you as you follow him. And the reward will outweigh the cost a million times. It's going to be worth it following him and producing for him to give a good account when you see him, what you've done with your life and what you created and built for him and the people you've reached and the lives that you've touched. It's going to be so worth it, isn't it? It's sad that there are too many so what churches even. And I, and I never want to talk bad about other churches, but just like generally speaking, there are churches where the people are only there for themselves. What is this church going to do for me? Like, like they're going into a store and evaluating the customer service. Like, and we want to do a great job when people come to church and have them feel comfortable and loved and, and, and grow here and get built up. But you just need to understand, like, this church is for you, but it's not just for you. We, we are here for you. We're here for you to get built up and encouraged and learn the word of God and meet some great Christians who will pick you up when you fall. And if you're single, you're going to find the one. Amen. That's why you're here. Don't lie. I know why you're here. Some of you, you're here. Yeah, the person clapping really loud right now, get her number. All right. You know, she, she's ready. But this church exists for you to also fulfill your purpose and follow Jesus so that people far from God can experience new life in Jesus. I like this show called The Football Life. A Football Life, do you ever see that show? I'm still really processing through this whole football thing, you can tell. And this show interviews football players who are really successful, like Hall of Famers, and, and I love it because They'll be interviewed and you can hear about their lives, where they started. A lot of them, you know, they grew up poor. Maybe they didn't have a father. Um, all the odds were against them. Uh, people doubted them and said, you'll never be anything. But they came, they rose up, they overcame the odds and adversity, and they achieved amazing things, success and even victory in their careers. And as I watch that show and I think about us as believers and part of this team together, I, I realize as I watch these players talking about their lives, none of them ever accidentally stumbled upon victory. None of them like woke up one day as champions. <laughs> they all started with a decision to give it all they've got, to work hard, to pursue their dreams relentlessly, and they knew it was going to cost them, that they were going to get hurt, that they were going to be tired, but they knew it was going to be worth it. And we as a church, we must make the decision consciously aware of what it entails that we will be like Jesus and become the church. 
And we're going to talk in the coming weeks about what that means in more detail. But it starts with a decision. I'm all in. I'm willing to go out on the field and give it all I've got. I want to support my team. I'm not going to let them down. It's not just about me, but the people who I can reach and touch. I don't want my life to pass away and have done nothing with eternal value. I want to build something that lasts, that I can stand before Jesus and hand to him and say, I've done this for you and hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. Come on in and enjoy the party because it's going to be worth it. And we have to be that way. We have to be this way. This is who we are as a church. Maybe you're new and you didn't know this and you're like, I didn't know what this church was about. Uh, I'm telling you right now, this is us. This is us. We have a reputation to uphold. Okay. Like you're going to, you're going to go out into the community and you're going to tell people, I go to Generation Church and they're going to say, oh, they'll be like, is that the church? Are you that church where people are all like fired up and worshiping God passionately and singing at the top of their lungs and clapping their hands and, and giving when they don't have to and serving when they're tired? Are you that church? And you're going to say, oh, we are so that church. We are. That's the church that we are. We are so, we are that church that gives and serves and loves and keeps pushing and keeps building. We are so that church because we've been called and we've been changed and we know our purpose. So we can't let our lives just waste away. God has put us on this planet so that people far from God can exist and this love and, and, and experience this new life and, and eternal life and the joy and the peace that he has for us. This is the new life. This is the life following Jesus and being like him. So what, can we stand to our feet? And we're going to get ready to respond to this message with a time of communion and worship. But let's just start with this. Let's just bow our heads right now have a moment of privacy. Maybe you're here as a believer and you say, I am ready to be a so that Christian who takes actions. I don't want to just be a hearer of the word. I want to be a doer of the word. I don't just want to like Jesus. I want to be like Jesus. I'm not satisfied to just come to church. I want to become the church in your heart right now. If you say that's me, say yes, Lord. Just give him your affirmation and just tell him in your heart. You can say it out loud if you want. You can just say, Lord, I'm all in. I want to follow you. I surrender all to you. I give you everything I have. From this day forward, if I have been taking things for granted, I'm going to change that. And I'm going to give it all for you, Lord. And I believe God will help you to do that. And maybe you're here and you say, I've never experienced this new life in Jesus. I, I still feel the guilt of my sin. I don't know God. I've been running from him and trying to find things that fill the void in my heart that I know is there. And I've tried different, some of you tried sex and drugs and, and getting more money and achieving more success. And if I just had a wider circle of friends, I'll feel happy. And you found that none of those things 
fills that void and satisfies that need for love that only God can give you. Only God can fill that void that all of us have in our heart. And we experience that once we turn our lives over and place our lives in his hands, that we find the satisfaction that we've always longed for. We find the love that we've always wanted to feel. And we know what it means to have hope for today and tomorrow because we become a part of God's family. So maybe you're here right now and you say, I haven't been to church in a long time or I've been holding out and today I want to take the step of faith and put my life in God's hands, surrendering to Jesus, receiving his forgiveness, and now living for him. If you're ready, today is your day. And I'm going to invite you to just pray this prayer with me. Just say, God, I know I need to be forgiven. And I believe that Jesus died on the cross to pay the price for my sins so that I could be forgiven. So I need that and I ask for it and I accept it. And I believe that Jesus did not stay in that grave, but that he rose again so that I could be victorious over sin and death and receive eternal life. So Lord, help me to follow you from this day forward in Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer and you meant it in your heart, the Bible says you have been saved, you've been born again as a new creation, and you have now new life in Jesus. And that's something to celebrate. We want to recognize that. So what we always do is we just say, hey, if you accepted Jesus today, I'm going to have you shoot your hand up on the count of three so we can celebrate with you. And we're not going to embarrass you or do anything weird, but we just want to cheer you on and recognize what God has done in your life. So one, God loves you. Two, welcome to the family. Three, just shoot your hand up. That's awesome. Anyone else? Hey, that's me. Just hold it up. Great. Awesome. Awesome. Come on, church, you can do better than that. You got to give God some praise when people experience new life in Jesus.